Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Oh, gosh, Jordan, as we started recording this program, I got a call from my friend Austin Butner at the Los Angeles Unified School District. Always, always great to hear from the Butte. You know, and that's so great because nobody calls anymore. It's always text, 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 DM me. You know, it's nice. It's 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 nice to get an old fashioned phone call. I mean, we're '90s babies. We love to talk on the phone, huh? That's a really good point. It was just me with the cord to my princess phone curled around my finger. Mm-hmm. Um, what's nice about Austin Butner calling is when you think you know Los Angeles is a city of. You know, the Los Angeles Unified School District probably encompasses five five or six million homes. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's probably a half a million kids in the in the school district. So, you know, at least half a million calls he has to make every Sunday night. Um, but he's so good about it. You know what I mean? He's so consistent. He really shows up. Uh, and I'm I'm grateful for that. And I think, you know, and I again I don't I don't uh, get a call from Butner, God, I wish. Um, but from what I hear, he he asks, "How are you?" But he like means it. You know, a lot of people just say it. Yeah, a lot of people just say it because they're like supposed to. But he like he asks, "How are you?" And he really wants to know. Yeah, I have that problem actually with my congressman Jimmy Gomez when he calls me to tell me that he's doing a virtual town hall meeting. Um, yeah, he asks how I'm doing, but the second I start telling him about what's going on, like with my kids or whatever, I just, I, I can just hear his eyes glazing over. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, Jimmy, you asked, dude, you asked. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A little something called constituent service. He could at least quiet his eye glazing too, you know? Well, that he actually can't. Oh, really? Is that a? Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. Am I making? Am I making fun of a man's medical condition? Yeah, he, he has have, uh... noisy lizardotis. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I'm so sorry. Which is when you have lizard eyelash eyelids, like the kind that go down, but this your eyes stay open, but they're noisy. Uh, well, my heart goes out to him and his family during this. Um difficult time Gosh, i should i should uh, say if i mispronounce noisy lizard dotis uh <laughs> i haven't finished medical school so uh, um i can't pr- I, I apologize to all the all the doctors out isn't that there. a ninja that a ninja turtle villain noisy <laughs> lizard <Otis? laughs> one of the later movies like the, the michael bay ones should we introduce our guest or keep spinning gold? I mean, it, it feels like... <laughs> hey, let's let's bring in the guest and make this a three-man spin. Let's all spin gold together. Three-man spin. Three-man spin. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is he a spinner or is he a Rumpelstiltskin? We'll find out. Yeah. A Rumpelstiltskin is somebody who demands someone else spin gold. You know what I mean? I do. Um, okay. Here we go. Uh, our guest on the program, probably best known as a lifestyle influencer. Uh, second, probably best known as a photographer. Uh, third, I would say dad movie proponent. Uh, fourth, I think he has a column in the New York Times. Uh, Jamel Bowie is our guest. Hi, Jamel. Hello. Your lifestyle influencing really knows no bounds. Um, I'm always impressed that you have time 
at the end of your like uh, you know constitutional Congress learning sessions, which is what I presume you do with most of your time. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Yeah, to also learn recipes and uh, do film photography. <laughs> well, you know, I mean. A lot of that stuff has been going on for a long time, and uh, part of my approach to life is like if I if I have other responsibilities or whatever, I, I have do have to give up something, and I've decided I'm not going to give up taking pictures or cooking, and so you know I, I give up things like uh, doing my laundry every week, um, <laughs> or. Uh, <laughs> Or I stopped, you know, I, I, I started shaving my head bald instead of bothering with real haircuts. You know, I just got to knock out other things to make time for the good stuff. That is a nice, like, for me, I think one of the big positive effects of this pandemic, which, of course, has been in many ways bad, uh, is that uh, I, I bought, like, a professional quality pair of hair shears like an electrical uh, cutter machine. And I just picked a number. I've been going with that. Uh, I mean, bad news for the guys over at the hair zone, but uh, I'm not even, I'm not even going to bother with a fade anymore. I'm number one half all around. Um, I, my hair situation is I have just resigned myself to the fact that I now look like a cartoon mad scientist. <laughs> <laughs> like like a Beekman, a Beekman's world type? Yeah, Beekman world, maybe like a Dr. Wily. Uh, maybe I'm constructing eight robot masters to finally kill Mega Man. Yeah, that's that's kind of my vibe. Um, yeah, because my, my hair is getting so out of control, but also uh, is just getting white from chlorine because I've been swimming in an outdoor pool. So yeah, it's just like mad scientist. All I need is a fucking lab coat and some Bunsen burners and uh yeah uh, maybe I'll do a mutant assistant mutant assistant could work I think bring it on yeah like one big eye one sort of small closed eye yeah oh yeah I'd love one of those yeah if anybody knows um yeah if anybody knows any mutants like that um have them slide into my DMs they're open <laughs> I mean it's been a hard time for mutant assistants <laughs> because COVID and you can't really be close to each other in a lab right and the right. distancing doesn't really work out yeah yeah, we would have to be like, we'd have to like start out over Zoom, but then, you know, maybe we could, you know, gradually I could incorporate the mutant assistant into my pod, which now um, the only other member is a cat. So I think it would probably work out. A lot of labs, actually, they're doing this thing. I don't know if you guys have heard, but in the NFL and the NBA, and I think this year in Major League Baseball, they wear these social distancing wristbands that buzz when they get close to each other. And uh, in a lot of labs with, with mutants working there, they're doing the same thing, but with Geiger counters. <laughs> they're radioactive, you see, Jordan. Jamel, they're radioactive, these mutants. These mutants, okay, all right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm leaning in. I'm, I'm just like, you know, I'm preparing myself for every Zoom I have. We'll <laughs> up top have 10 minutes of hair jokes about me, and then we can get down to business. I'm like slotting it into the Zoom. I'm like, okay, you know, 15 in, we'll get down to actually talking about the thing after 10 minutes of jokes about how I look like a, a Beekman type. Did either of you guys in high school or college do that that thing where like you have a chemistry class and you like pour beakers into each other and it, and it, it explodes 
<laughs> no, I don't think that. I don't think there's any real life precedent for that. I don't think anyone's ever done that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I took a chemistry class and we did have beakers and I believe we poured things in, but I do not recall any explosions. It's been a while, but I I think I think the explosions would stand out. Yeah. I did have a chemistry teacher who joked about black people not being able to swim. So the racism. <laughs> oh, the no. oh, well, that's a kind of explosion. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with chemistry teachers? I was about to say that the chemistry teacher at my high school, Mr. Kelly, shout out to Mr. Kelly, uh, just brought a gun to school and showed it off in class. It's going to shoot an electron to death? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I know that a lot of our listeners hear me talk and they think, oh, this is a this is a good old boy from, from down Tennessee way. It was arts high school in San Francisco that this man thought it was appropriate to bring his gun into class. What kind of gun? Handgun. Huh. You know, s- sizable handgun. I think he was a veteran. Did he, like rub it when kids were talking did he like you know was he like drawing your eye to the gun like hey like settle down or i'll (laughs) shoot you i like uh, what i picture i was not in i was not in the class for some reason i never took chemistry in high school i don't know how i did that uh literally sincerely i don't know how i graduated from high school without taking it but i did somehow but uh, I remember I had friends who were in the class where he was bringing out the gun. And like what I always imagined was him doing that thing. Uh, that one George Clooney movie, The American, I think is what it's called, where he's in Italy and there's a lot of like fields of snow and he's a hitman. And like most of the movie is either Italian lady nudity or him putting together this gun it like takes a real there's a really long him thoughtfully carefully erotically putting together a gun with like a silencer and all that stuff that's kind of what i imagine mr kelly doing in class just like talking about uh boron and that's a material yeah yeah and then like buffing you know you know buffing with like one of those soft cloths that you see people use on a gun Mm -hmm. i imagine him using that a lot and kind of leaning back in in a in in like an old-timey wooden desk chair uh sounds like you guys had pretty sinister chemistry teachers the only thing i remember about my chemistry teacher is he got a big laugh once by saying wherever you go there you are (laughs) i mean that's a good gag yeah it's solid gag I don't really remember anything else about the class. <laughs> My chemistry teacher said something uh, very similar. He said, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Mm. Um, yeah. I, now that I think about it, I said chemistry teacher. Uh, I meant rapper in 1987. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> confused. Got confused there for a second. Um, Jamel, what, what are your other... So I know that you're a passionate cook because I've seen your social medias about cooking. And, and of course... You do have a lifestyle newsletter. Uh, I've seen your photography. I'm going to say it's really neck and neck with Jamel Bowie and Steve Agee when it comes to uh, gifted, mostly amateur photographers who have been guests on Jordan Jesse Go. Uh, two real talented photographers there. And I, of course, know from reading your columns in the New York Times that you've read all of those like uh, 
accounts of the conversations between James Madison and whatever at a bar uh, on the 3rd of July, 1776 or whatever. Um, my U.S. history, not strong. It's actually, it wasn't wasn't James Madison, it was Boron. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jordan. I went to arts high school. <laughs> it's chiaroscuro or nothing for me. Um, uh, so, Jamel, what other passionate interests have passed through your life that, like, you have that level of commitment to? Um, I mean, in, in general, uh, I just, I love uh, American history stuff. So, you know, my column is often uh, touching on constitutional history, but sort of my whole bookshelf is Civil War and Reconstruction history and, and uh, you know, but pre-Civil War, post-War of eighteen twelve, kind of period of American history that no one knows about, but nerds. But I'm really interested in nineteenth um, uh, century American history. Basically, it's not something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I watch a lot of movies, which is a thing that I'm not sure. I think more people know these days because I just I have taken to making my Twitter feed kind of mostly talking about movies. But um, I don't really watch a lot of TV. And so every night we're usually putting a movie on. And we just watched uh, Tenet last night, which was, you know, it was it was a typical Chris Nolan blockbuster. Extremely dumb, but like pleasurable to look at. I think early on in Tenet, um, someone said, Tenet, <laughs> Tenet, him, well, I guess, wait, okay. <laughs> is the guy's name Tenet or is he the protagonist? He's the protagonist, right? <laughs> His name is protagonist. So, yeah, no, the movie is about, of course, CIA director George Tenet under George W. Bush. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no. John David Washington's character. Interesting casting <laughs> choice with John well, John I mean, David Washington. It's, Interesting it's casting choice. It's 2020 when it was uh, released. You know, you can do you can do race bending these days. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Sure. No, uh, J- John David Washington. He's just called the protagonist. Mm. And then the the antagonist is Boron. Is that correct? Right. <laughs> yeah, John Boron. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 yeah. The whole time I was watching it, I'm like, "That's Tenet. No one can convince me otherwise. This man is Tenet." Um, and very early on, Tenet himself is—that's who I'm just going to call him. That he's wondering how the like backwards time thing works, and someone's like, "Don't, don't try and understand it. Just feel it." And the I felt like that was the movie saying to you, "It's okay if you don't get it. You're not dumb." Like it was, I thought it was just a really nice thing that the movie did for me. It's like, Hey, like just let this wash over you. He's going to go to some locations. He's going to wear some nice gray pants and sometimes things will go backwards. And I'm like, cool. I love a gray pants movie. I mean, I think the American is a perfect example of a great gray pants movie. Sure, Yeah. Like a nice mid gray or even a lighter gray. No, but that is the great thing about the movie. It, it, It is very much like a, it's a big, dumb blockbuster that has this kind of cool mechanic for action scenes but it's very clear that the whole movie was constructed around the mechanic like how can i how can i do a james bond movie and they fight backwards sometimes um and if you just take it on that level it's very enjoyable and i think that i mean there are people of course on the internet who are trying to pretend like tenet is making some deep statement or it's you know some complex piece of work but it really it really is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's basically, I haven't seen the movie, but what you, what it sounds like you are describing to me is uh, basically just a, a guy saw that one Far Side video 
and was like, that would make a sweet fight scene. Yes. I mean, actually, yes. He saw the video for drop. He was like, man, Spike Jones did it again. And um, I think it was Spike Jones. Yeah, I think that is Spike Jones. Yeah. And uh, made a movie out of that mechanic. But yeah, so we watched Tenet last night. I watched Star Trek, the motion picture the night before. Um, watch a lot of movies. I, I think I think we clocked like 240 something last year. Oof, nice. Nice number. Um, yeah, I wanted to, because I, I have also noticed your tweeting about movies, and the thing that I like so much about it is that I feel like, you know, the, the little, the Twitter sphere we are in um, has a lot of, like, recycled takes, you know? I feel like you, you know, you kind of like, it just seems like it's it's people constantly saying Jaws was the first blockbuster at you over and over again. It's like, yeah, we know Jaws was the first blockbuster. It was good. Jaws is good. No one's saying it's not. Don't, you know, we don't need to hear that Jaws was the first blockbuster again, just like worded slightly differently from another guy. Like anyway, so I I do get a little, I mean, obviously this is me being too online here. Like if you're annoyed by it, maybe don't fucking look at the thing so much, Jordan. Anyway. No, Jordan, I think you're right. Jaws was the first blockbuster. Yeah, and ever uh-huh. since then, yeah. it's like if you want to make a lot of money, get Dreyfus. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dreyfus or a Dreyfus Bafo Bo. <laughs> yeah, the kids are screaming, "Give us Dreyfus! Give us Dreyfus!" <laughs> yes, Daddy Dreyfus. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those Took daddies, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but, but I like, I do feel like from your Twitter feed, it is like it, it is like interesting stuff that like you haven't considered and i i got obsessed with you tweeting about the highlander sequels <laughs> uh, it's like one of those movie franchises where it's like it's like tremors you know it's like we maybe we all kind of saw the first one but it just kept going and there's nine of them and a tv series and a cartoon you know like that you just didn't know about and you haven't talked to anyone who's ever seen one. So I got really into the fact that you dove into the Highlander franchise, and I just wanted to hear a little bit about your experience with that. Of course, yeah. So, I mean, I should say, first off, Highlander is one of those movies that I saw when I was a kid, maybe seven or eight or nine or, or what have you. My parents didn't have much, didn't monitor my... <laughs> My like media consumption very much, and so I just J- Jamel, hold on, hold on. You said you saw Highlander when you were seven years old. I saw Jurassic Park when I was five. Uh, so yeah, no, I saw I saw Highlander quite young. It was probably on like cable or something. Again, my parents were in the military. I was often home by myself uh, a lot as a kid and just sort of watched a lot of TV. My wife will tell you that my kind of television references are pretty much stuck in the 1970s because that's what was just on all the time. And so I've seen like all of MASH and All in the Family and Sanford and Son, but could not tell you anything about Grey's Anatomy. It's fun, fun fact about me. Um <laughs> Anyway, so I, I Highlander is like a well. You were gonna do you're you're really gonna be bummed that we have a Grey, Grey's Anatomy quiz later in the show. Yeah, this is basically a McDreamy tribute podcast. Uh, <laughs> sh- shit. <laughs> no, so I, Hi, Highlander is something I kind of 
it's like I have a lot of fondness for it. I remember watching the Highlander television series, which was, I think, actually kind of a big hit at having multiple seasons of Witness Syndication, that kind of thing. Um, so I've been I've been kind of going through the HBO Max catalog, kind of seeing what is there that I can just kind of put on while I'm doing dishes or, or, or something, you know, something that's a little mindless, doesn't require a ton of attention, but I would be I would be entertained. And I noticed that they have like the entire Highlander franchise and I had not actually seen any of the sequels other than the first sequel Highlander uh the the quickening i think it's what it's called great great subtitles in this franchise by the way great subtitles yeah i just want to take this opportunity to salute jamel Bowie's priorities here um in his capacity as a public intellectual which i think you know at the end of the day that's what jamel's job is he took a look at that hbo max list he said to himself well they all the lone wolf and cub movies are on here um, yeah, like all the uh, all the Thin Man movies are on here. Oh, the Highlander movies are all on here. Here's a good priority. Listen, I will I will watch Christopher Lambert in pretty much anything because I think it's great. <laughs> so Christopher Lambert does not star in Lone Wolf and Cub or any of the sequels. If he did, he might be different. Point might be different. He was up for that part. He was up for cub, uh, but did not get it. I am a cub. Hey. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're sorry, sir. This character is a baby. You did great. Uh, nothing had nothing to do with your performance. It's just you're not a baby. You're not a Japanese baby. Um, <laughs> okay, so so Jamel, uh, I here is a, a like an actually important question. I did not grow up with cable. Uh, so I have never seen any of the Highlander movies. Like, I feel like the Highlander movies are like the classic movie that was on USA Network or something. Um, and I, I missed all of those. I also have not seen like any of the like, uh, you know, naughty ski patrol movies that were on pay cable at the time. Uh, but what happens in Highlander? Because really, all I know is that there can be only one. Right. I mean, you, that's that's like ninety percent of it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you pretty much uh, in the first. So the whole conceit, right, is that Christopher Lambert plays this this uh, this middle aged Belgian man plays a Scottish Highlander, um, <laughs> who the whole series very fast and loose with ethnicity. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the final dimension. I, I have some questions. Go on. Uh, who discovers, which is, I, th- I think the final dimension is pretty great. Um, who discovers after dying in battle or something that he's actually immortal and he can't die. Uh, and he is, uh, you know, he's cast out. He eventually comes across uh, a Spaniard named R- Ramirez played by Sean Connery. Uh, so the actual Scottish person in the movie is playing a Spaniard. <laughs> Wild. And uh, the movie, the first movie kind of flips back between the past where the Highlander is learning about being immortal and, and learning about the game, which is the, all the immortals in the world hunt each other because there can, of course, only be one. Um, and then in the present where there is uh, a other immortal played by Clancy Brown, who is one of his antagonists way back in the past who is stalking him and trying to kill him. And the whole movie is sort of like high fantasy nonsense. Uh, 
but it's a lot of fun and it's pretty well constructed and it made a ton of money and I have a, a deep fondness for it. The sequels, other than the first sequel, which is like a weird sci-fi movie that they kind of retrofitted Highlander stuff onto it, the other sequels deal with Christopher Lambert's character. They deal the the fourth sequel deals with the the protagonist from the television series, which is like a cousin of Christopher Lambert's character, and it's all sort of like their further adventures involving immortals and magic and stuff like that. It's all very silly. Is Christopher Lambert otherwise a movie star? Like, is he in other things? He was in the uh, first Mortal Kombat movie in 1995 as a, as a Raiden, as a, as a Chinese man. <laughs> yes. He's a chameleon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he really, he can play anything like Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> right. As long as the person has a Belgian accent, it works. <laughs> I think Lambert's... He actually plays Tintin in the Tintin movies. (laughs) One of Lambert's great strengths is just doing a fucking bang-up job with, like, an exposition dump voiceover at the beginning of something. Like, if you need someone to say, like, in a time before time, like, he will will nail that harder than, than anybody, anybody in the game. Does your movie begin with a scroll about a prophecy? Call Christopher Lambert. Yeah. <laughs> Lambert will explain your prophecy. Do they do Highlanders fight with swords? Exclusively, yes. So to be clear, there is the Highlander who fights with the sword, and there are other immortals who may fight with swords. Some don't. It kind of depends. The key thing is, though, to take another immortal's power, you have to cut off their head. Sure. Do you have to drink their blood, or can you just let no, it No, just like lightning comes out of their bodies and they get it gets absorbed and stuff it's very honestly sounds kind of unrealistic but (laughs) if you're around any windows all the windows shatter too that's something important um i because you were i knew you were coming on i was curious and kind of decided to watch one of the highlander sequels and i picked highlander colon the final dimension which uh, is a great subtitle and also just has fucking nothing to do with the movie. There's no dimensional travel. (laughs) There's not, like, other dimensions don't end creating a fight. It's just two words that sound cool. Um, And, Joe Mel, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if you know what the final dimension refers to, but I just, I, I found it to be nonsense after the movie was over. I'm like, what's that dimension they were talking about? So, originally... Uh, it was the the film was titled Highlander Three: The Sorcerer, mm. which actually makes more sense because the chief villain is a sorcerer. Uh, I don't really know what Final Dimension refers to at all uh, in the movie, but uh, worth watching, I think, for uh, a great uh, a lot of scene scene chewing by Mario Van Peebles, who plays the villain. Oof, so good. And something I wasn't anticipating while watching it, sort of a hard R sex scene, like right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I also noticed that hard R sex scene with like, um, uh, you know, this is a very crass way of putting it. I don't know how else to say it, but there's Bush. Oh, wow. There's Bush. And uh, yeah, I was I was wondering, I'm like, oh, do all of these movies have one of these? You know, it was like the 90s. Sometimes you just, you just stick in you know, a sex scene because it was a rated R movie. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I don't, I didn't remember the first Highlander having the hard R sex scene. No, it didn't. But this one, I (laughs) just like, I was washing some, I was doing dishes, like cleaning a plate and looked up and it's like, 
They can see Christopher Lambert's bare ass. It's like, whoa, what is... Uh... <laughs> and it is very 90s in that like most of the sex is in the background and in the foreground is a flickering candle. Right, yes, yeah. And then there's like just fucking electric guitar shredding. Like that's the flavor of sex scene that this is. So when is it the first Highlander? That's like in like the late... That's like 1988 type situation, right? I believe so. Maybe even earlier, maybe 86 even. How far in, like, at what point did Highlander 86, wrap up? Like, how, how long was this thing going? I mean, that's the crazy thing. For, for a franchise that is kind of extremely silly, and uh, after the first movie wasn't really a big box office draw, the last Highlander movie was maybe in 2007. It's pretty late. Holy shit. Yeah, Highlander the Source 2007. And I just I just pulled up the the Highlander Wikipedia page just to kind of get, give you a sense of um the the depth of this franchise. There appears to be like a dozen Highlander novels. Wow. There's Highlander comic books. There's 1 2 3 4 5 6 6 Highlander films. There's Highlander the series, which ran from 1992 to 1998. Like this was, this the guy who plays uh, the the lead, Adrian Paul. This dude will never have to work again because of Highlander the series. Jamal, it sounds like when it comes to Highlanders, there can be only one. But when it comes to decades of Highlander themed <laughs> entertainment, there can be almost as many as we please. Uh, there's a car. There's a card game apparently. <laughs> An, an an animated series. Does the card game also have hard R sex in it? I mean, I hope so. <laughs> it's not just mana you're tapping, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I immediately ma- imagined when you said that there was a card game, that there was like a card game, not like a collectible card game or like a card game that you buy at the game store. Uh, but like in Hoyle's book of card games, like in between War and Pinnacle, there's just Highlander. There can be <laughs> right. only one. <laughs> right. It's like, well, you're Jack of Hearts. That's your Highlander. <laughs> um, do you guys think I'm looking at the Wikipedia for Tremors? Do you guys think that there are more Highlander movies or Tremors movies? Oh, there are a lot of Tremors movies. Holy shit! This is this is fucking exciting. This is exciting. Tremors, another movie that was always on cable and I saw a bunch of times as a kid. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's Tremors, Tremors 2, uh, Tremors and a Little Lady. <laughs> You're right so far. Uh, boy, this is this is tough. The Tremors movies, I feel like they really they really like made a transition into a deep like sort of like they became like uh uh, they became like television movies at some point, didn't they? Like it was just that like Sci-Fi Channel or something got the rights to Tremors and just made one every year. Yeah, I mean, I think that like their their, their heyday was like the also the heyday of like blockbuster. You know, we're just like you needed to fill a blockbuster shelf, so you know if you can, right. uh, you know, stick. Uh, uh, yeah, if you can, if you yeah, if you can get a get a couple Tremors movies out there a year, that'll. Uh, That'll help fill out the blockbuster. And I think probably it, it, it kind of, they went right to Redbox. I bet that's kind of where they thrive these days, if I were to guess. Right. I mean, I do remember as a kid seeing that uh, Tremors traffic safety video in the uh, free rental public service shelf of Blockbuster. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did that exist? 
You don't remember? No, it didn't exist. But do you remember that public safety free rental? I mean, the uh, public service free rental shelf at Blockbuster? Oh, where like cartoon all-stars tell you not to take drugs? Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got that a couple times. Yeah, that that was like, yeah, man, check that out. You think, Mom, can we rent one more? It's free. <laughs> All right, there's enough enough pussyfooting around this, fellas. What do you think there's more of? Your guys are a, a team on this. Are you going to guess more Tremors or more Highlanders? Jamel, about how many Highlanders are there? There are six. I'm going to say there's more tremors. It feels like you know you know how there there are ghost kitchens now that like churn out food for restaurants that don't really exist. I feel like that's that there are ghost studios that are churning out movies for IPs that no one really they don't really exist anymore. But there still needs to be content. When we were looking for an office uh, for Max Fun a couple of years ago, we came very close to buying this building in Chinatown that belonged to this guy. And I was talking to him. It was like a post-production facility. I'm like, oh, are you guys like cut movies here or what? Like, what's the, what's the deal with this place? And he said, oh, I have a film library. And I said, really? So like, uh, what kinds of movies do you own? And he said, like, literally no movies you have ever heard of in your life. Uh, and he's like, the most, the most successful, biggest movies I own are just like a movie with a second-tier movie star before they became a second-tier movie star. Like, that is the creme de la creme of the, that collection. And I feel like that guy... Like, they have a lot of early Barry Pepper movies? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I really think that's what he was explaining. And I think he just, like... He, like, was a film editor or something like that, figured out this business existed... And, like, fully just, like, learned to speak Chinese and started going to China to peddle, you know, seventh-tier movies for, you know, $500 a piece to, you know, Chinese digital distributors or whatever. And, like, found a business in that uh, that allowed him to have a building that he owned. Uh, it was very, very strange <laughs> situation going on there. And I feel like this is like, there are like many people whose business is just gathering 500 movies somehow. Like maybe by like finding them in a basement in Iowa or something. <laughs> and then just bringing them roadshow style uh, to non-English speaking countries uh, and and uh, s- selling them to, you know, cricket streaming services okay we need guys we've we've pussyfooted around this long enough and i'm sorry to keep saying pussyfooting i don't like it you don't like it the audience doesn't like it but we need an answer more tremors or more highlanders i'm putting i'm putting myself down for more tremors yeah i'm i'm riding with jamil on this he's the expert Uh, i'm gonna say more tremors there's six highlanders how many tremors are there jordan so six highlander movies the number of tremors movies is Seven. You're right. More Tremors. The seventh Tremors movie being Shrieker Island released in 2020. (laughs) Wow. Okay, I have a a counter challenge for you, Jordan. Oh, I love a challenge. We now know that there are seven Tremors movies. Mm -hmm. Are there more Tremors movies or Land Before Time movies? Oh, there's got to be more Land Before Time. There's got to be more. Yeah, because I think that, like... Yeah, the the things you can like sequelize, um, you know, low budget horror, yes, but like cheap kids movie, 
yeah, I'm going to go Land Before Time. I'm going to go Land Before Time. Let's see. The most recent came out in 2016. It's called Land Before Time, Journey of the Brave. Stars Reba McIntyre and Damon Wayans Jr. Uh, it has a it it has a big badge on the cover that says "All New Movie." Wait, Reba McIntyre was in the first Tremors. <gasps> wow, guys, this podcast is better than the one where Obama talks to Springsteen. This also has Barry Bostwick. Oh, cool! So it's a real it's a real murderer's row here. Seems like all the rest are uh, just voice actors besides Damon Wayans, Reba McIntyre, and Barry Bostwick. Um, for a second, I thought that uh, former Blue Jays outfielder George Bell was in the list, but it's actually George Ball, who's an entirely different person. What's the total number? Universal Animation Studios, Universal Pictures, Home Entertainment, of course, the source of this. I believe you can watch this film on Netflix. Got three stars out of five from Common Sense Media, Land Before Time, 14. Wow. Journey of the Brave. Twice as many. Twice Twice as many. many. Holy cow, these little guys, these little dinos going on so many adventures, you'd think they get tired. Yeah, look out for Sharp Tooth. There's some really... My children have watched a lot of these movies. There are some songs in these movies that are so bad. You think like, I find myself thinking that like they economized by just having the screenwriter write the song. You know what I mean? Like they didn't hire a, a music person. They just had the screenwriter like sing it into a, a micro cassette recorder and and pass it to Reba. <laughs> Uh, Jamel, what kind of media are your kids? You have just one kid, right? Am I getting your kid number correct? Yeah, I just have one kid. Yeah. What kind of media is the kid into? So he doesn't, we don't really watch a lot of stuff. Um, when we do, it is uh, Sesame Street related media, uh, the Elmo show, old Sesame Streets. There's apparently, there's a, uh, there's like a, a series of shorts where Cookie Monster and his friend Gonger own a food truck and they make food for people who put in orders. And my kid is obsessed with that. Um, but otherwise, we don't really watch a lot. To be, it's either that stuff or if I if I want to play like Zelda, then he'll watch me play Zelda, which he enjoys. I'll tell you this, guys. I'm looking at the Land Before Time Wikipedia here. Mm-hmm. Anything good on there? Every Land Before Time movie has a long list of, uh, you know, just voice actors, gifted voice actors, I'm sure, but like people who have made their career uh, voicing cartoons and so forth. And then it will just have one or two celebrities down at the bottom of the list. So it'll just be like, you know, this person, uh, this person is best known for their work on Rugrats, this person is blah, 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 on, on down the line. And then it'll just be like, oh, and also Cameron Mannheim. <laughs> you got to get a little star power. You got to keep kids uh, juiced for the <laughs> 12th and 13th movie. Kids will go and, see uh, anything with Chris Christopherson. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of these just has all voice actors and then Charles Durning. <laughs> I mean, kids love the sting, so. Right. Yeah. As a petulant ankylosaurus. I don't know. <laughs> Taking a guess at what maybe he's playing. Bernadette in Peters um, is in one. Kiefer Sutherland is in one. Uh, before we uh, before we move on to another uh, segment, can I just share a couple of um, stray observations about Highlander: colon, The Final Dimension, and just get Jamel's take on? Yeah, it? please. Thank you. 
Okay, so I want to ask, is Mario Van People supposed to be Japanese? <laughs> you know, uh, Christopher Lambert ends up in feudal Japan, and yep. he is obviously not playing Japanese. So maybe uh, Mario Van People's character just kind of wandered there. Right. But I, th- I actually do think he's supposed to be like a Japanese warlord. His name is Kane, which has to be the most overused bad guy name of all time. <laughs> bad guy in RoboCop 2, I believe. Um... So yeah, I was I was unclear. It seemed sometimes he was trying to do a voice and sometimes not, but always having a blast, <laughs> whether he was doing a voice or not. Uh, there's a great... So the first time you see him, he has on this like samurai armor, and the armor has nipples, and the nipples are pierced. It has nipples <laughs> with nipple rings. And then later, when you see him without his shirt, he has pierced nipples. It fucking rules. It's the ultimate... It's such a great payoff. Um yeah, I don't know if his actual nipple rings are resting inside the nipple rings of the armor or if he's just like, <laughs> I want this armor to represent my actual chest. So you're you're wondering if it's possible that they're that they're nesting nipple he's got a nesting nipple ring system. Uh, with his l- real life nips and his armor nips. Yeah, that's I'm. That's I guess the question that I want to know. I mean, maybe I got to get the Blu-ray and listen to the <laughs> Mario and People's commentary. I mean, but. the first thought that I had. Was, do you think he brought his pierced nips to his armorer? Mm-hmm. Or do you think the armorer showed him the sweet nips and then he yeah. said, I got to get mine done up like that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I'm wondering what's the cause and what's the effect. I was, I was fascinated by the nipples. I have to, uh, <laughs> I have to admit. This is probably going to be the plot um, of the next Tenet movie. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, and there's a there's a fight between Lambert and Van Peebles in a museum, but in the museum there's just a random trampoline in the middle of the room that they use to get to higher ground, um, and it does not explain why the museum has a trampoline in the middle of the room. It's fucking great. That's <laughs> like in Jim Cotta when he's in the Village of the Crazies. Uh, yes, Jim Cotta is the movie that combines uh, gymnastic skills and, and karate kills. Anyway, he's in the village of the crazies, and he gets cornered by all these, you know, the crazies that they lend the village their its name. And uh, there's a pommel horse there. It's like, oh, thank God I got cornered in this pommel horse area <laughs> so I can do my Gymkata moves. It's a total Gymkata. I don't know if, like, either Lambert or Van Peebles was like, I've been doing a lot of tramp work lately. I would love it if we could incorporate some tramp into this fight. Um, but it's there. They don't explain it. And uh, it's, I don't know. It's magical. Just it's really magical. Van Peebles was at the time living in Pomona. And it was uh, the first one of those kind of like uh, anonymous warehouse buildings that's trans- been transformed into uh, trampoline paradise on the inside. Oh, Yeah. So he had just got super into trampolining. I've never been to one of those trampoline paradises. I I would like to go. They look like they look like paradise. I feel like my butt would get sore. Yeah, but I mean, on the other hand, isn't that good for your butt? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, so I'm trying to build butt strength. Uh, Jamel, if you were to point people at one Highlander or one Highlander sequel, where would you where would you point them? You know, honestly, it would be it would be high under the final dimension. Cause it's the only it's the first direct sequel to the first film. It has everything you want. Some great Christopher Lambert, you know, 
acting such that it is. Mario Van Peebles is actually pretty great. Um, and uh, it actually does have a pretty great final fight at the end. So uh, that's the one. I mean, ideally, you would just watch the first movie. And if you value your time, just not bother <laughs> with any of the others. First one, soundtrack by Queen. Anyway. Yes, yeah. Uh, if you if you are if you do if you must watch the Highlander sequels, uh, Highlander Three: The Final Dimension is probably the best of them. Jamel, does your wife watch these movies with you? So, if it's something like a Highlander sequel, absolutely not. That's that's sort of not even on the on the table. Um, I wouldn't even suggest it. I respect <laughs> her too much. Uh, but if it's like a real movie, then yeah, usually. We will watch them together. We kind of uh, alternate who's who's picking. Have there been any? Has she made any particularly excellent or uh, particularly unusual selections lately? Nothing unusual. Um, in a, I, she didn't pick the movie necessarily, but she's. We have like, I buy. I, I'm one of the, like the people who still buys Blu-rays and, and such, and so she recommended for Friday that we grab something off the shelf, and so that's. I like just grabbed Star Trek the movie. That was a fun. Uh, that was a really enjoyable watch. I mean, I've seen it before. It's been a long time. Uh, it's an unpopular movie. People think it's boring. It is very boring, but I think it's actually. It's like it, it's very visually inventive, and I just enjoy the kind of like seventies lounge vibe of the whole of a whole movie. I li- I like that movie too, and I like that it's boring. And I think that boring sci-fi movie is one of my top genres of movie. I mean, like, anytime someone is complaining about, like, uh, Blade Runner being boring, I'm like, yeah, that's what's so great. (laughs) It's almost nothing is happening the entire time. (laughs) That's what the future is like, I guess. Yeah, I I do think you do hear the, like, occasional griping about Star Trek being boring. And I'm like, uh, that's the product. It's like being mad at a Highlander movie for including a lot of lightning that doesn't make sense. Yeah, when they made Star Trek into a thing where somebody drives a Mustang while listening to the Beastie (laughs) Boys, I was like, I was like, I don't think I like this. (laughs) I like it when there's just long scenes of people staring at a big space screen should be diplomacy in conference rooms that's the action (laughs) jamel you are i i think of you above all i mean certainly you're uh you're a sophisticated cineast uh you know i think you you're the kind of guy who can um from from memory find a bunch of uh uh visual allusions to silent film in batman returns or whatever uh, but I think you're also one of the world's great appreciators of dad cinema. Um, you know, I already mentioned one of my dad cinema favorites. I've mentioned many times on this program that uh, while I've only seen it once, I would be glad to watch the George Clooney movie, The American, as many times as is necessary because uh, a slow, uh, pretty, nudity-heavy assassin movie uh, with a major movie star in it mostly George Clooney is basically what I want to watch for dad times. Um, and like, I also love master and commander and Das boot, but those are real basic dad movie takes. I feel like, uh, do you have any advanced dad movies that you would like to advocate for? I mean, all my takes are, are similarly basic. I have, you know, I will watch those, um, 
Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan movies any day of the week. Uh, you know, Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger. Uh, I love those movies. Uh, even a movie that isn't technically a Jack Ryan movie, but might as well be, Air Force One, I'm a huge fan of. You might include a lot of Wesley Snipes' 90s output, action film output in like the dad category. Mm. But yeah, no, I'm 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 all about all about that Jack Ryan stuff. Middle middle aged security analyst, uh, dodging bullets in <laughs> Ireland. Give it to me. Do you also read the books? Are you do you read? Or do you, will you read a Clancy, or do you just want to watch a Clancy? When I was like thirteen, I would read a Clancy. I grew up in a military town. Everyone's parents, everyone's dad owned Tom Clancy books, so I, um, I read a couple. Uh, but these days, I would probably, probably just do the watch, not so much pick up a novel. These days, I don't think I could get, I could get past like the the politics of them. I have read some Tom Clancy novels, both as a thirteen year old, and I think I've like I, I think I've read like Hunt for Red October. You know, as a 24-year-old when I, like, ran out of books at my in-law's mountain cabin or something like that. I've, I've read, I think I've read more than one as an adult. And uh, they're pretty enjoyable. Uh, I don't, you know, the, the uh, you know, the kind of military first perspective on the world is, I can deal with it. You know, I can accept it. Um, but what's really wild about those books is just how much of them are just lists of the parts of a boat or a missile or something. (laughs) Like, it truly is. And this is, uh, uh, like, I tried to read the first Master and Commander book because I had heard so many great things and I loved the movie so much. And it was, I was literally like 125 pages in and I'm like, all they have done is list ropes. Like, this has just been a list of knots and ropes and like types of hardtack. But there is an audience for that, obviously, because these are like the most successful books in the world. Like some people just want to read novels that are lists of the parts of a tank. I yeah, I have never read one. I I had them like handed to me by like clueless relatives a lot. Like you're a boy and you like to read. This is here's the boy book. Like I definitely had a lot of that and tried a couple times. Uh yeah, and and uh and found them too too boring and listy. Um but yeah, I think I had a couple of Clancy's and a couple Grishams on my uh, like childhood bookshelf for like a long time that just kind of went unread. I don't know why you would give a child a John, or a, a John Grisham book. I definitely read like five John Grisham books as like a 12 year old. What was I doing? I think I would just go to the used bookstore and just buy a book. I also read a lot of Dragonlance novels, despite (laughs) not having any, like I had no particular interest in Dungeons and Dragons, but I think I probably read four Dragonlance novels. (laughs) I read, I read at that age, a lot of Star Wars novels, some Tom Clancy, definitely some John Grisham. I, I read all of the Left Behind novels, like the the. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Holy shit! Now, were you? Were, did you come from like an evangelical Christian background, or was this a uh, cultural tourism? This is yeah. This is more cultural tourism. Like I grew up going to church, but sort of like black church is not. <laughs> it's not not the kind of place where. 
left behind novels are getting passed around. So um, this was more the local library had a sh- had them on the shelf, and I was like, hmm, seems seems interesting. Uh, and I read them all, and uh, they're not very good. They're very bad. <laughs> Have you seen? There's a couple movie adaptations of those, aren't there? Have you watched any of the movies? Yeah, there's 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 one very there's one for attempt to be faithful adaptation of the series that's bad. I've seen it, and then there's um, the Nicolas Cage reboot, which is a little more arch, and it's also quite bad, but uh, kind of a more enjoyable. (laughs) No, (laughs) there really is a time in our type of nerd's life. which is, I think, a, uh, could probably probably describe as a library nerd. Um, like, I, I can't speak for you, Jamel, but I can say I, I can say with some confidence that like Jordan and I were never headed for a life, uh, you know, computer programming or, or something. Um, but both, you know, spent a childhood spent in the school library, where you will just read any book that's on the shelf, like. The number of uh, this has also been on the show before, but like I've read, I think, every Misty of Jinkatigue <laughs> book, which is a series of horse novels for uh fourth grade girls. <laughs> for horse girls. And Jesse, it's okay you can say you're yes, you're a horse girl growing up. That's fine. I mean that's <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're not we're not here to make fun of you for that. We think it's cool. <laughs> Like I was a I was a boy in the inner city, <laughs> and it's not like I was like dreaming on living in the country. I it was not. I didn't even aspire to being a burrow in the Grand Canyon. I, they just were there. Yeah, I think when you when you like have a kid who will just sit and read a book, you'll just start handing them books, and I think that's like why why we had so much like we, it's because of like oh this kid will just sit and read a book here's a grisham it's long you know i think that's <laughs> enjoy the pelican brief 10 year old no i think that's right and w- when i was 13 maybe they opened up a new so there's a school library but they also mm-hmm. opened up a branch of the public library like a 15 minute bike ride from my house and so my parents just let me go on the weekends um to the public library and did not like with books with TV, if I tried to watch something like Wild, maybe they would, you know, say you can't watch that. But there's never any kind of like you can't read that book. And so I would come home from the from the public library with book a book I, I read when I was fourteen titled um, maybe a little later than that maybe it was fifteen or sixteen a book titled Cocaine: The Unauthorized Biography. Uh, <laughs> And I would just be wow. reading it at home, and no one would ask. No one would be like, Jamal, why are you, why are you reading about cocaine? Uh, <laughs> you're, just, you're just at the library, six years old. You're like, excuse me, where do you keep Twopic of Capricorn? <laughs> We're not going to give it to you unless you pronounce it right. <laughs> Henry Millwall? Did you guys get points for reading books from your librarian? My, our library had a point system where if you earned enough points, you could get tickets to the Giants game. That was big news for me. Yeah, we had a summer one, but it was a personal pan pizza. <laughs> like if you read uh, yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, book a week of summer, you got a personal pan pizza from uh, Pizza Hut. I mean, that's what—that's the dream, isn't it? A like, pizza what, all to yourself that you don't have to share practice. with your dumb sister? Yeah. Hell yeah. And they don't cook it on some some bullshit sheet. 
They cook this thing in a pan. Yeah. <laughs> Just for you. Um, yeah, that was our big, like, yeah, that, that would happen every summer. It's like you would get dropped off at the library and they would give you like a sheet and you would check off all these books. And then uh, at the end of the summer, it was pizza time. I feel like I had more than once had the situation where I told the librarian all the books that I had read mm. truthfully, uh, but they didn't believe that I could be that big of a dork. <laughs> They're like, you did, you've, you're exaggerating a little bit. And I'm like, no, I just sit in my house reading books all day. I'm curious what you as kids <laughs> took away from John Grisham novels. I remember being, certainly being handed them and just being like, I don't, this is not, this is not it. This is for a very boring grown up. What did you as kids like about them? I fucking loved them. I loved though. I loved Crichton. Yeah, well, sure, sure, for sure. sure. I, that's that's less. And those yeah, are exciting. Absolutely. I loved the firm. I mean, <laughs> I specifically remember loving the firm. Firm. Have you have you watched that movie recently? Because if you haven't, it is a treat. Oh, I don't think I've watched it at all. I didn't want to ruin my experience reading the classic <laughs> novel. Right. It's like for some reason two and a half hours long. Can't don't understand why. But it it uh, it has Tom Cruise at his sort of like young, weirdly intense Tom Cruise-ness. Has Wilford Brimley given a great performance? Oh, as uh, Tom Cruise's love interest. As Tom Cruise's love interest. No, there is a scene where Wilford Brimley uh, uh, is confronting Tom Cruise with illicit photographs of an affair, and says, uh, "I think the quote is." Uh, all kinds of stuff here, you know, oral and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> whatnot. <laughs> What's whatnot, I wonder? <laughs> if if he's okay with saying oral, what is the thing that he... <laughs> wow. Well, let's take a break. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. You know, Jordan. Uh, our lights are kept on by uh, all the members of Maximum Fun, folks who've gone to MaximumFun.org slash join to support Jordan Jesse Go and support uh, whatever other Max Fun shows they listen to. This week, we also have some support from our friends at Magic Spoon. And um, Jordan, can I tell you Can I tell you what I saw uh, this morning? What'd you see? I sat down at my, uh, I sat down at my breakfast table. Uh, there's my beautiful wife, Teresa. You know this woman. You've met her before. She's the best. <laughs> yeah, she, she's the best. She was sitting down to a big fat bowl of motherfucking magic spoon. Oh yeah, yeah, that's hey. right. She had that chocolate flavor. Uh, she was getting some cool choco milk out of it. You know how you put those chocolates in there and you get that choco milk? Mm. Hey Jesse, I had a handful of the fruity before we started recording. You know, it is a it is an excellent snacking cereal absolutely if you uh if you get that if that sweet tooth starts bugging you and you don't want to reach for you know cookies or donuts or something like that get yourself some a handful of magic spoon it, it it's it's tasty and it uh it, it gets rid of those sugar cravings but here's the thing zero grams of sugar in this thing yeah they make it with something called a monk fruit 
Yeah. I uh, couldn't couldn't tell you what that is, but it tastes pretty darn good and zero grams of sugar is genuinely impressive. What what's cool about the Magic Spoon to me is that they have made something that has those snacky qualities. It has those breakfast cereal qualities, but it is actually completely grain-free. So that I mean obviously gluten-free, but grain-free entirely, which is why I mean it's basically a little a little circle of protein, which yeah. is pretty amazing considering how it tastes, how tasty it is, you know? Yeah, 13 to 14 grams of protein, four net carbs, and only 140 calories in each serving. Keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Uh, great flavors. We mentioned chocolate. We mentioned fruity. Uh, there's two limited edition flavors this month, cookies and cream and maple waffle. Uh, you can build your own box with cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. Ooh, the peanut butter's good. Uh, that that uh, I got a box of that peanut butter, and it was gone uh, pretty quick. Yeah, PB's my fave, too. Go to magicspoon.com slash JJGo to grab the new limited edition cookies and cream maple waffle or a custom bundle of cereal to try it today. And Magic Spoon's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. And be sure to use our promo code JJGO at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magicspoon.com slash JJGO and use the code JJGO to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, hey, Jesse, we're also sponsored this week by Libby. That's my that's my childhood friend's uh, mom, Libby. <laughs> well, there, well, there you go. It's it's the reading app that has a name of certain childhood friends' moms. Yeah, I mean, she does a lot of reading, so it's apropos. Yeah, it's a free reading app created by OverDrive that lets you borrow ebooks and audiobooks from your library on your phone, tablets, Kindle or computers, all you need is a valid library card. Hey, Libby, you, this is Jordan Jesse Go. Our listeners have library cards. Yes, that's all they have. Our listeners don't have driver's licenses. Our no. listeners don't have a, uh, literally any form of identification other than their library cards. When they went in to get their library cards and they were asked for identification, they couldn't provide it, so they simply had to swear a blood oath. There's no, listen, here, there's a little caveat here. I don't think this applies to anyone in our audience, but even if you don't have a library card, you can read samples of any book you see. Uh, it works just like a physical library. You, simple, uh, you simply borrow available books you want to read, and then they return themselves automatically after your loan expires. Can you imagine a book that returns itself automatically? We're in the future. We live in the future with Libby. Oh, my God. Libby is so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Libby, you're so beautiful. Thanks for dropping my friend Evan off at preschool. <laughs> okay, again, I think that's probably uh, your friend's mom and not the app, but... Um... Yeah, we're playing GoBots over here, Jordan. Shut your yap. <laughs> uh, download Libby in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store to start borrowing and sampling ebooks and audiobooks today. Jordan, there's also a message up here on the Jumbotron... Uh, the Jumbotron, of course, where our listeners can share their messages with our listeners. Uh, this one, I- I'm excited about this one, Jordan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this to you, but I- I'm just gonna suffice it to say, I'm pumped here. Okay, I'm gonna read the Jumbotron that I have not read until now. 
It says, SOS Avionics is a certified avionics shop in Regina, 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 Saskatchewan, that specializes in small aircraft upgrades and bench work. We don't want customers that have a problem with Brian laughing. Yeah, sometimes people complain about that, but they're not interested in that. Yeah, Contact them. them at sosavionics.com for all your avionics needs in Regina, Saskatchewan. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. I'm Jamel Bowie. My son called me Yucky today. <laughs> as a name or as a descriptor? Can't quite figure it out. <laughs> Were you being yucky? I'm sorry, I don't want to be playing. I'm, playing. I'm devil's advocating over here. But what were you doing? Something that was yucky? Were you kissing? No, I was. I was. Uh, I was uh, making dinner. I was chopping some carrots, and he he looked at me, pointed, and said, "Ew, yucky." But not at the carrots. He likes the carrots, specifically me. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't. I don't think you're yucky, Jamel. I think you're yummy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> I mean that as a compliment. Jordan, you would never yuck Jamel's yums. I would never, never yuck someone's yum. That's what that means, right? Uh, maybe. I was just thinking about the fact that when, when I was a kid, I lived, you know, I split my time between my parents. This is just on the subject of mm -hmm. yuckiness. I split my time between my parents' houses. And at my dad's house, my bedroom was like in the basement. Like it was, it had a... It had like a linoleum floor, like it it was finished, but it was very much like half of the basement. And the door to the backyard wasn't flush with the ground. And so at night, slugs would come into my room and like slug around on my carpet and then leave. And they would leave slug trails on my carpet. And it was the grossest thing in the history of the world. And I don't think my father and stepmother ever did anything about it. Oh, boy, I should talk to my therapist about this. <laughs> yeah, this is the wrong venue. <laughs> we can't unpack that here. <laughs> we're, here to, we're, we're here to unpack the Highlander sequels, Jesse. <laughs> hey, did you see that uh, in Columbus, Ohio, where uh, Wario has that sandwich shop, uh, Luigi has a, uh, a pawn shop? Yeah, and there's also a um, someone also. Yeah, boy, we've had a Jamel for you uh, for your benefit. We uh, we have been kind of inadvertently buzz marketing a uh, Columbus, Ohio area uh, sandwich shop called Wario's Beef and Pork because I am weirdly getting Instagram ads for it despite uh, never having been to Columbus, Ohio. Their specialty is uh, Wario sauce, which yeah. is uh, Wario's. It's not. Um, don't. Don't go there, Jesse. He's been, Jamal, he's been saying it's jizz. It's not. It's not his jizz, okay? Come on. Just don't be gross. It's not his jizz. It's Wario's jizz. It's called Wario sauce. It's not. It's an aioli or something. Oh, God. No, Wario sauce, the main thing. I'm not saying it's the only thing. Obviously, if it is an aioli, 
It's probably mixed with mayonnaise. I mean, you know, it's they, they get the brioche bun and the roast beef and the lettuce and tomato, and then Wario mm-hmm. just cranks off into each one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's... Take it from Jamel Bowie of the New York Times, Jordan. <laughs> All right. I'm a- hey, what? Looks like I'm... <laughs> I'm outgunned. He's I'm, representing uh, his employer here. I'm outnumbered. Fine, I cave. I guess it's jizz. I guess it's jizz. Retweets constitute endorsements, Jordan. Two against one. I guess it's jizz. That's, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm here on behalf of Dean Beckway himself saying Wario cranked off into the sandwich. <laughs> the gray lady herself. <laughs> I have a letter here from David Brooks that says Wario sauce is 100% for sure jizz. Well. All right. I guess I'm, hey, I, I know, listen, I know when I'm beat. <laughs> yep. The guy invented the word grups. It means sort of grownups. Um, so, yeah. So, I guess there's a, there's a, there's like a Luigi's Chicken Wings and there's a Mario's something. So, like, you know, the, the whole gang's there in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio sounds like a dream. Yeah. It's great. Well, I mean, nobody, hey, listen, we haven't heard from anybody in Columbus, Ohio who's pre-ordered bubble yet, but they're all going to this fucking sandwich shop. Yeah. Anyway, I know where your priorities are, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I, I'm go, I, if I'm, when I'm in uh, Columbus, Ohio next, I'm going straight to King Koopa's Fu. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yoshi's Aluminum Siding. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, Jamel, on the program, uh, we, we've been doing this show for... Almost 75 years. And in that time, we've come up with one idea for a segment. Uh, So we decided to just, instead of coming up with ideas for segments, which we're obviously incapable of doing, uh, we figured we would just say, you know, you, the audience member, you come up with the segment and just call it in. Um, And as I understand it, we've got one of those calls right now. So uh, uh, let's take a listen. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Go. This is Gordon Bedford calling from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, um, I'm calling in regarding the long-running segment songs that I sing to my cat. Um, this first one's called Snuggle Cuddle Time with Daddy. Snuggle Cuddle Time with Daddy. Cuddle Cuddle Time with Daddy. It's the greatest time in the world. It's the greatest time in the world. And then actually... <laughs> Bruce Springsteen is such a big fan that he covered it in one of his live concerts, and it goes like this. Snuggle cuddle time with daddy. Rubble cuddle time with daddy. It's the greatest time in the world. It's the greatest time in the world. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, it's a lonely time, guys. God, I was the whole time I was listening to that. I'm like, God, is this what I sound like? Is this the, <laughs> is this the, is this the dark mirror that I'm seeing myself in? Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, this explains a lot. You sound more like the singer from the Cranberries. <laughs> right. I support this. I mean, I, yeah, I do a thing. Sing I do pets. a thing with my dog Coco. She's. I think I mentioned on the show that I've had to. Uh, I've had to make one of my dogs an upstairs dog and one of my dogs a downstairs dog because uh, the younger of my two dogs, uh, who's only elderly, not like uh, uh, <laughs> fast approaching death, um, the younger of my two dogs has just gotten too sassy uh, with the older of my dogs. So I just had to keep them apart. 
And so in the morning, I will wake up and uh, Coco, my oldest dog, will be, you know, uh, in her bed or on top of my bed. And I will pick her up to carry her upstairs uh, to bring her out front to go to the bathroom. And I will usually pick her up upside down so her feet are in the air. And then I do this thing where I lift her up like, like to the level of my chin. So she's upside down. And she's up at like chin level. And I walk through the living room where my kids and my wife are. And I just say, hey, guys, tall dog. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good, tall dog. <laughs> have what you, have you and Bug been up to, Jordan? Uh, well, I'll put on Van Halen's Dance the Night Away. And I'll uh, do this dance and I'll point at her while I'm doing it. And I imagine uh, she just kind of stares. And I imagine uh, what's going through her head is like, wow, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow look at him go <laughs> yeah. when something momentous happens to you like your uh, owner does a sweet dance mm-hmm. uh, give us a call for our segment momentous occasions 206-984-4-FUN or send us a voice memo at jjgo at maximumfun.org uh, here's an example of a momentous occasion that was experienced by a listener that is this listener who's about to start talking now Hey, this is Julie calling from Columbus, Ohio, and I have a Warriors connection. Uh, I went in after you guys mentioned it last week because I had to know um, and experience the wonder for myself. And one of my former students uh, works there and is friends with the owner. So, huzzah! And they do know about this, but I don't think they've actually listened yet. So, dot, dot, dot. They probably shouldn't, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting madder and madder. We have no bubble pre-orders from Columbus, Ohio, but everybody's swarming this fucking sandwich shop. What does a sandwich cost? It's got to be got to be in the $20 range. What is your what is your upcoming graphic novel bubble come with? Does it come with any sauce at all? You know what? It doesn't actually. So, you know what? I guess I get it. I guess I get it. I would think that at the bare minimum, it would come with some of Mike Mitchell's sauce. <laughs> right. Being the bare minimum basis for one of the characters. No, uh-uh. I don't think we can get that guy to crank off on all these books. Although, I don't know. Maybe if uh, maybe if sales are poor, he can manage to uh, throw a load in each one. Maybe that could be a Patreon, for, Patreon thing for their Patreon. You know, we could get them to <laughs> yeah. a certain level. And Michael, crank off on your bubble. <laughs> you have to send it with an S-A-S-E. Listen, I'm glad we're I'm glad we're throwing some of our shine, our world-renowned shine, onto mm-hmm. Wario's beef and pork. But come on, guys, let's where's 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 your priorities? Where's your priorities? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. There's got to be some independent bookstores in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, there's got to be. There's got to be. I'd love to have these people send me some of their beeves. Their their beeves. Yeah. That's how you say beef? No, that's the plural of beef. Oh, okay. I understand. I would just like to eat some of these beeves. Columbus, Ohio. Send us the beeves. Send us the beeves. Let's take another call. Uh, Hi, Jordan, Jesse, and oh boy, let's go Elliot Kalen. Um, This is Ramona from New Hampshire, um, and I just had a momentous occasion. Um, I just... uh, (laughs) I just um, went out for the first time as a woman, and uh, one of the people I was with genuinely thought I was a cis girl. 
So, uh, yeah, just wanted to let you guys know. Okay. Uh, love the show. Thank you. Bye. Sweet. That rules. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Um, I will be a little bit cranky if I find out that you did go to Wario's Beyond Board. <laughs> she, she went to her local independent bookstore to pre-order your book, Jordan. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. That's better. By the way. That's, see, that's I think helping us. I think, me, specifically. I think that uh, Elliot Callen was a very good guess. Not technically mm-hmm. correct, but I think there's an argument to be made that Jamel is the Elliot Kalin of New York Times columnists. <laughs> With all due apologies to Maureen Dowd, I think it's got to be Jamel. Yeah, Jamel, do you know Elliot, and do you do you feel like you share uh, uh, vibes with him? I know Elliot. I think he is... I think we probably share some vibes. <clears throat> He's probably a little quicker than I am, but I think we share... Uh, a, a similar uh, concern with detail, uh, especially when it comes to multimedia properties and obscure comic <laughs> shit. I think you both probably know a lot of things about presidents. We we both know a lot of things about presidents, and and I, I think Elliot could probably tell better jokes about presidents. But I I feel like I could probably come up with a couple myself. <laughs> I feel like. Uh... On multiple occasions, I have been at like a, a pool with Elliot, and he's just been telling me about one of his favorite presidents. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Jamel, I guess I didn't know that obscure comics was a lane that you drove in. What what are your what are your obscure comics? Uh, I mean, not so much obscure comics, just sort of obscure things within comics. Like I've read, you know. I wouldn't say every issue of the Fantastic Four, but I've read a lot of Fantastic Four, uh, who are my favorite my favorite superhero group, which I feel like is not not common. Very few people choose the Fantastic Four, but I think they're great. Uh, and uh, there is a, there are a bunch of fun scenes in John Byrne's run on it in the early '80s. Lots of Doom centric storylines that often involve him, sort of like you know abusing underlings that i find very funny um <laughs> it's good yeah nobody abuse nobody abuses an underling like doom no 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 would you say that the fantastic four have had the worst luck movie wise or will you like stick up for some of those fantastic oh, Four movies absolutely i mean yeah as far as like proper fantastic four movies like, so i guess there's the weird one in the 90s and then there's the two fox ones and then the most recent one with um miles teller and the Josh Trank Fantastic Four, yeah, no, they they've uh, they've gotten short short shrift, and they're not those all those movies are bad. I my my theory of this it's like twofold. Um, the first is that I think part of the problem, and I call this like the John Carter of Mars problem, which is that like when you have a property like the Fantastic Four, which is kind of the first of its kind, so much of its innovations and like tropes have been absorbed into other things that people mm. that became popular later um and are more are larger in the public mind that when you try to go back to that original thing it just seems sort of like you know trite and tired because it's already been done before um so there's that the second thing is that for whatever reason Everyone who's tried to make one of these movies has been like afraid of really leaning into kind of the hokiness of the concept and the characters. And like, 
I've always thought that if I if someone like said to me, Jamal, you gotta write a Fantastic Four movie, mine would just be a straight up period piece. Like just put them back in the sixties. Like make it be the sixties. Hmm. Um that would be I don't know. That would be my approach to it. Uh, and then it would be like a little bit of origin stuff and then just 40 minutes of Doom abusing underlings. That's what the course, people want. Of course, yes. Doom, Doom <laughs> screaming at one of his Doom bots for, for, for fucking it up. I feel like this could be a lucrative uh, pornography lane for us. <laughs> okay, uh, explain. I don't, know that I'm, I don't know that I'm with you, but I, I want to be. I'm talking about Doom... Uh, uh, Doom abusing his underlings pornography. Oh, like like Doom 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 shaming. Because I feel like pornography used to just be like two people naked, two naked people having sex, right. but now it has to be like you know everything on everything on a pornography website is all like oh this this uh, brother and sister uh, wear berets and. <laughs> You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think so, but oh, it's all very Rococo. There's just a lot of different sure. shit going on, right? Uh, and I feel like you know, regular BDSM, regular power play, or whatever mm-hmm. is is pretty trite. But if if one of them was a Fantastic Four villain with extraordinary powers, right? Uh, that could really spice things up. Yeah. And if so, yeah, so it's just, so it's like a Doom underling scenario or a Doom bot. Yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, there's that kind of like verite gay pornography where um, uh, the conceit is that the porn star is having sex with somebody from the military. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's just like a little twist that <laughs> sure. gives it some extra a little, juice. A little spice. Yeah. I mean, another idea I have for this is um, that I think could add a lot of flavor is Wario sauce. But Jordan, I know you're uncomfortable with that. No, I'm just gonna have to come. I mean, listen, I've been I've been outnumbered. Uh, apparently, it's in the paper of record that Wario sauce is jizz. <laughs> so, uh, guess I'm just gonna have it's to go true. with it. And you know, and it's I think true. that you know, and I think that like, you know, with pornography, I think like. You know, scenery is important. I like a, you know, I like a, I like a scenic piece of pornography. And where's more scenic than beautiful Latveria, the <laughs> fictional country that Doctor Doom uh, is the emperor of? God, yeah, the countryside there is just spectacular. Yeah, um, you just have the rolling hills. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, apparently Latveria is supposed to be a paradise. The only thing is that you must worship Doom as your god. <laughs> Small price to pay. Doom, <laughs> gotta worship somebody. I mean, might as well be Doom. Yeah, I mean, to to this point, I've uh, I've just been focused on Martin Mull. I just think is great in everything. You know, he just seems like he's a comedian's comedian. Yeah. Uh, but I could switch over to Doctor Doom if it meant to live in a paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamel, if you were to do your Fantastic Four movie, would Doom be the villain? I do feel like Fantastic Four has good villains to pick from. Yeah, I don't think... Do, I, I, so I would go with more of a... If it's like the first movie kind of thing, I would actually go for one of the hokier villains, like the Mole Man, or I would even have the villain be, Na- be Namor the Submariner. Um, oh, okay. I, Doom is interesting because he... I mean, he is sort of like the great comic book villain... 
And it seems like it would make sense on the face of it to have be Doom be your villain. But I've always found him much more interesting, not as so much as a direct antagonist, but kind of as like a guy who they don't necessarily trust, but because him and Reed Richards do have like actual personal you know, ties going back to their, their younger days. I, I, one of, there's a storyline where they, they give, they, they, they let Doom basically raise their youngest daughter, the Reed, Reed and Sue Richards, in part because it's like, well, Doom is obviously a megalomaniac and uh, a crazy person, but, you know, he is, he, he's not going to, he's true, he's true to, to the logic of himself. And so we don't, we know he's not going to do anything wild here. And that kind of relationship to Doom, I think, is interesting. So I'd, I'd prefer not to have him as, like, an antagonist. It's kind of just, like, a guy, you know. Like, like uh, uh, if you ever watch the sitcom Martin, like, bruh, man. Kind of just shows up sometimes. <laughs> Classic analog to the Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who in the Fantastic well, so my, Four my... is Shanay-Nay? <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's you know at the end of the day, uh, my favorite version of the Fantastic Four is probably Herman's head. Right. Um, I didn't even know that there was the potential for Namor the Submariner to be a bad guy. I thought that was a good guy. His origins, or he was originally a villain. I think in his first uh, appearance in a comic book, he wanted to like wipe the surface world of life. Um, he he becomes an anti he becomes an anti hero throughout the Fantastic Four run, mainly because he just wants to, like, smash Sue Storm. That's kind of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing about those comics, especially the, like, Kirby Lee ones, is that, like, Sue Storm was kind of into it. And so Reed Richards is very exasperated about the fact that Namor wants to sleep with his wife. and His wife is kind of, you know, not opposed to the idea. I am... I am, This is just another example of how rich our pop culture is with sexy fish men like (laughs) i think we all you know we were all you know we all kind of had our minds blown a little bit when shape of water came out but like you know the real ones know that sexy fishmen have been out there in the zeitgeist i mean forever people have always wanted to uh you know get down with someone that has gills i feel like that's just something i don't know it's it's in us it's in our it's in our it's in our blood it's in our culture kevin costner for instance, yes. In Waterworld? Mm-hmm. I'd love to smash that, for sure. Sure, yeah. <laughs> the Mariner himself. You know who I think would make a good Fantastic Four villain? Hmm. And I'm... Look, I'm not half the comics expert that you guys are. I'm just throwing out ideas here. What about Howard the Duck? <laughs> yeah. That'd he's work, already... Sure. He's sort of an anti-hero, you know? Mm-hmm. That, w- actually, that would be kind of a cool Marvel thing if, like you know, kind of a joke character like Howard the Duck got unimaginable power somehow and then became this, you know, Thanos-like antagonist. I don't know, just 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 spinning wheels here, but I think I think I think there's something there. I mean if he just collected those power gems you gotta you know, then it's on, you know, here comes Howard. Sure. The duck that is. I have never seen that Howard the Duck movie. I know that's like a famous kind of like crazy bomb misfire. Um my daughter was quizzing me about it the other day and i don't know how she got it into her head about it even existing she's not even really into superheroes but uh, she was quizzing me about it the other day and i was i am pretty sure i saw it in the movie theater 
with my dad. And I looked up when it came out, and it came out in like 1986 or something. So all, the only explanation I can come up with is that my dad took me to see it in a movie theater when I was five. <laughs> you were ragging on Jamel for having seen Highlander too early. I know. <laughs> what the fuck, Dad? Excuse me. What the fuck, Dad's ghost? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Jamel Howard the Duck seen it? I've actually never seen it. Oh yeah, interesting. I know it's uh yeah it's one of those. I'm like I'm I'm wondering if it is if it would be fun bad or if it it's just a disaster. Two hundred forty movies a year. You think you could make some room for it, man? <laughs> <laughs> That might be one of the ones that I'll just watch my own time and not not ask my my lovely wife to sit through it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you want to facilitate some romance for later in the evening? Uh... <laughs> Ooh la la! Mm-hmm. <laughs> that duck is smoking a cigar <laughs> and flying a biplane. Maybe <laughs> I don't really remember anything about Leah it. Leah Thompson is there. I think so. <laughs> Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say. It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I ought to... Well, gotta go. Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today. The Beef and Dairy Network is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast here on Maximum Fun, and I would recommend you listen to it. But don't just take it from me. What do the listeners have to say? I would rather stick a corkscrew inside my ear, twist it around and pull out my ear canal like a cork than listen to your stupid podcast ever again. Please stop contacting me. Hell would freeze over before I recommended this podcast, The Beef and Dairy Network, to anyone. Not in a million years. Actually, scratch that. Um, Make it a billion years. No, how long's infinity? That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, available at MaximumFun.org and at all good and some bad podcast platforms. Disgusting. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Jamel Bowie, I could not think of a tagline for myself, so here we are. No, you, people think they have to do a new nickname every time, but uh, the, I thought the yucky thing was great. Okay. You want to do it again? Do you want to like a second take? You want to go around? Another go around? Yeah, let's do a second take. Jesse, you can start. Let's do a second round. Yeah. And Brian, keep all this in. This is small <laughs> It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Smell buoy. Still yucky. Yeah. Nailed it on the first <laughs> take. <laughs> one take wonder. Jamel, does your, does your son love you? My youngest child is really... <laughs> you didn't let him answer. 
uh, I, I, I believe, I, I believe so. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Do you do you feel otherwise about your kids, Jesse? I would say on a scale of one to ten, my oldest Grace is like an eight or nine. She definitely loves me. Oscar, my seven-year-old. I mean, six or seven out of ten. And then Frankie, my youngest, he's like a three. (laughs) Like, he likes me better than the lady who mans the door at his preschool, but probably not better than his actual preschool teacher. Like... He's he's got the one teacher. He definitely likes her. And of course, Esme in his class. He loves Esme. So how does he feel about you as compared to, let's say, carrots? He does like carrots. I mean, that's mm. definitely his top vegetable. Um, I would say neck and neck. It's one of those depends on the day kind of things. Mm-hmm. Like if I brought him carrots, that would put me ahead. It seems like you got a good strategy going forward to turn that three into a four or five. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not to brag, but that's true. I think you got it. I think you got this, buddy. I think you got a you got a four. You got a five in your future. It's it's gonna happen. Every every relationship encounters some uh, some tough times, but uh, you know you just forge ahead. You give them some carrots, and you come out stronger on the other side. Jamel, we've been uh, avoiding the subject of politics, Mm. but I think it's the elephant in the room. Um, You're, of course, a a columnist for the New York Times. You you have a lot of thoughts and opinions about uh, what I call the political scene. Um, How do you feel about these clowns in Congress? (laughs) Oh, boy. Don't get him started. These jokers. Have you seen these big shoes these guys wear? (laughs) Oh, these guys are jokers. You got it. Jamel knows. Big red noses, the whole nine yards. Seltzer <laughs> bottles. Oh, really gets I, my you know, goat. I, I'll just say that I appreciate that we've been able to reform our political system to the extent that a, a clown third party is viable, can win seats <laughs> yeah. in Congress. That's true. Now, what that says about the American people, don't get me started. But at the very least, our democracy is vibrant enough to support clowns in Congress. Yeah. I mean, here's what I think, Jamel. I am an advocate for ranked choice voting. And the reason is that I think you could open up lanes, not just for clowns, but also sword swallowers, human cannonballs, and well-trained tigers. I'm sorry to be one of these guys that's always, you know, talking about decorum, but I just don't like how uh, how they behaved on Robert De Niro's talk show. <laughs> how they killed everyone. <laughs> right. On Robert De Niro's talk show, sure. <laughs> That's why we need to preserve the filibuster. Right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to prevent these jokers from killing everyone on Robert De Niro's talk show. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jamel Bowie, of course, you can find in the pages of the New York Times. You can find him on social media, where he's a, a joy and a delight. Uh, you can see his his genuine gift for photography. I'm not I'm not goofing around about uh, Jamel's photography. Jamel really is a gifted gifted and skilled photographer. Um, and Jamel, you have you do have a lifestyle newsletter. I mean, it's not all lifestyle content, but you're sure to touch you're sure to touch on lifestyle content in that newsletter. Uh, yes, yeah, no, I, I I offer recipes and sometimes write about movies. 
Uh, I occasionally have readers uh, who want me to write more about fashion. Maybe that will happen in the future. Mm. And there's also some uh, there's also some serial content as well, from what I understand. Yeah, for, for serious eats, uh, I do uh, I review cereals, uh, breakfast cereals. Most of them pretty terrible, uh, but uh, it's fun to do, and people seem to like it. A shocking number of people seem to like it. In fact, uh, <laughs> so there's that as well. Do you just real quick before we go? Do you have a best and worst cereal currently on shelves? Best cereal is probably that I've had for this series I've been doing, probably the Funfetti cereal by, I forget the manufacturer, but it's um, Funfetti flavored cereal. It tastes like birthday cake. It's pretty good. I was shocked about this. The worst one was a seasonal cereal. It was Apple Jacks, like caramel apple flavored. And it it it, it was genuinely one of the worst things I've ever eaten. <laughs> That does sound like a high level of difficulty, Apple Jacks, uh, Caramel Apple. I'm, I'm not surprised that took a nosedive. Hey, guys, before we go, I do have some breaking news. Oh, good. Okay. Love news. And d- during the break, I happened to go on Twitter, and a listener named Brett uh, was kind enough to tag us in some important Twitter news. Oh, good. Uh, and I'll, I'll give the context for uh, folks who aren't extremely online like we are. Um, so baseball slugger Jose Canseco is on Twitter and, uh, he posts different weird stuff cause he's, he's a troubled man. <laughs> and, uh, one thing he posted was his daughter, Josie Canseco, who is on the cover of the latest issue of Maxim Mexico, uh, the Mexican version of Maxim magazine, which I don't think exists in the United States anymore. Um, and he writes here, uh, she's a very beautiful woman. She's wearing an Indiana Jones hat and her underpants. Um, and uh, she says, and, and Jose Canseco wrote, my beautiful daughter, Poop, love her very much. Uh-huh. Tweeted that from uh, Henderson, Nevada on his uh, Android phone. Nice to know Jose Canseco <laughs> has Android. Uh, and then uh, there's, there's a follow-up. Uh, she, Josie Canseco, retweeted Jose Canseco's tweet and wrote, yes, my nickname is Poop. I I love you ASL emoji. Uh, The American Sign Language symbol for for I love you. You know, pointer finger and and pinky finger extended, thumb out. Uh, Then someone named Zabzik asks, the fuck is the backstory on that? Which I think is a very reasonable question sure i mean you may want to ask it a little bit nicer but sure i think we're all curious i mean what is the nicer way to ask how so what why someone's nickname is poop <laughs> so josie canseco followed up she answered the question this is kind of her and she by the way she's using an iphone when i was eight i pooped my pants in my dad's car because i had six root beer floats true story <laughs> I love I love how Jose Canseco uh, just like seems to have bullied his daughter for her whole life, reminding her of the time she pooped in her pants. Something that kids do. I mean, six root beer floats is a lot, but I mean, I I do like that he's. I mean, I don't like it, but very telling that uh, Jose Canseco is like the kid in class who won't let you forget the embarrassing thing that you did. Yeah, but also his. His my beautiful daughter poop love her very much with no punctuation is is pretty fantastic. 
<laughs> I want to be clear, all lowercase too. I have not thought about Jose Canseco since Rick Ross rapped about him. So this is all <laughs> very interesting to me. Well, you got to subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. we we give uh, I would say monthly Jose Canseco updates, and and each one is greater than the last. Yeah, this this was originally an all Bash Brothers content podcast. <laughs> we would occasionally do some Walt Weiss or Carney Lansford related material, but but mostly Maguire and Canseco. But you know, Maguire's been keeping a low profile, so uh, you know we got we got to go with uh, Big Jose. Okay, look, Jamel's got that newsletter. Where do you sign up for the newsletter, Jamel? Uh, if you just Google Jamel Bowie newsletter, it'll show up. It's at the New York Times. Now we're talking. You can also find Jamel's columns at the New York Times. We're laughing and joking about the clowns in conference in Congress and so forth. But I, I read every one of Jamel's uh, of Jamel's columns. I'm a New York Times subscriber. Uh, he does really uh, remarkable work that puts a lot of context into a, a scary world. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful to get to read it. I, I, I learn something and, uh, you know, gain some insight every single, every single time. So everybody should actually take the time to go, to go and read Jamel's New York Times work. Um, Jamel, what a joy it has been, uh, to have you on Jordan Jesse. Go. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Jamel Bowie, the New York Times. Next week, the gray lady herself. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, it's me. I'm going to be on the show next week, and this is what I sound like. I'm not Jordan doing a voice. (laughs) Wow, for a second I wondered, is that Jordan doing a voice? But you've really cleared that up, gray lady. I thought people might think that, but I'm not. Jordan, it's me, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> oh, you just missed the... I'm not just Jesse doing a voice. Oh, you just missed it's... the uh, personification of the New York Times, Dr. Fauci. Oh, we're all, we're like ships passing in the night. Just Anyway, left. I just wanted to left. let you know. Uh-huh. I wanted to let you know you should come to Florida. Jamel, this is a running bit. Um, anyway, just letting you know. Uh, Jordan, I want you Florida? to come to Florida. What's in uh, Florida? What's in, what's in Florida? I mean, I've I, I've pitches I've been a and catches times. have reported. Oh. It's me, Doctor Fauci <laughs> of, the, of the Washington Nationals. Yeah, yeah, boy. Again, I think you. I I do. I would love. I think somebody from the team should clear up with you that you're not actually on the team, but just threw out the first pitch that one time. It seems like you're... Jordan, they're stretching me out! They're stretching me out to be a starter! I would love it if you would just maybe take some of this energy you're using to prepare for Major League Baseball and just kind of put that toward advising Joe Biden on what to do about you know, coronavirus and other infectious diseases. So, yeah, I just, you know, just... I'm, just, a, I'm advising Joe Biden on how to get more snap on his curve. If you're listening and you're with the Washington Nationals, please just tell Fauci that he's he's not actually on the team. Let him down easy. Uh, I really, you know, we need this as a country. Just somebody help I just us. want somebody to tell Sean Doolittle I'm going to miss him. Somebody from the organization needs needs to correct this mistake. Well, goodbye, guys. Jesse's coming back from the bathroom, and there's only one microphone here. All right. I live at Jesse's house, by the way. Bye. Oh, you know, he's. F- I feel like he's fun, but a little exhausting. Yeah. If I'm frank. No, I mean, he's, you know, small doses. <laughs> <laughs>
Jordan, Jesse, go. <laughs> We're on Twitter at Jesse Thorne, at Jordan underscore Morris on Reddit, MaximumFun.reddit.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jordan, Jesse, go. You can join the Max Fun Facebook group there on Facebook. Our producer, Brian Sonny D. Fernandez, our theme music, Love You by The Free Design, courtesy of The Free Design, and Light in the Attic Records. Jamel, thank you again for coming on Jordan Jesse Go. Uh, you're really slumming it over here, and we really appreciate it. Um, I'm sure this is the NPR New York Times crossover that our employers imagined. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll talk to everybody next time on Jordan Jesse Go. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Not just screwing, Mitch. The kind of intimate acts, oral and whatnot.